Oh, hey there. Welcome into another edition of What Barry's Talking About from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely. On this week's program, we get excited once a year for the World Championship and every four years for the Olympics, but the push is on to get excited for and support women's hockey on a more regular basis. We take reading books for granted, but we're in danger of not being able to read some classic literature, some of it being banned for its content. We learn more as the Barry Public Library gears up for Freedom to Read Week, and we get our weekly look at how the Barry Colts are doing in their drive to the playoffs. But first, Barry's new police chief, Rich Johnston, settling in, taking the reins of the service at the end of last year. He sat down with Barry 360's Ian McLennan to talk about some of the challenges Barry police and police in general are facing and how he hopes to guide the service in the years to come. As a Barry police chief, that's new, but your service with um, here in the community is not. You've been with Barry police for quite some time, correct? Uh, yes, 25 years across the entire organization, playing different roles at different times. You have mentioned before about uh, your parents. They didn't tell you to be a police officer, but it was, or did they? It was, it was, it was service. Your mom was a nurse, your dad was a social worker, and, and that resonated with you. It did. Uh, they lived their lives uh, uh, in a way that, uh, that spoke to me, and that was, and, but they always um, talked about a life of service. Um, and, and there was no higher callings. You um, feed into the fire with the police budget that um, Barry City Council has yet to pass yet as the overall budget. 62.3 million, a 7% increase, four more civilians, five more police officers. There will be those detractors who are saying, oh, you know what, we, that, why don't we use those resources and put them towards you know, social work or mental health? How do you respond to that understanding that we are in a growing city and with growth comes need for uh, more things? I don't necessarily disagree with respect to uh, the funding of uh, other organizations. And I don't mean that in any small way. Uh, The reality is simply this. There are complex societal issues at play here. And while I'm appreciative of the simple answers, they're generally always wrong. And the reality here is this. We are in a growing city. um, And in any given society, there is crime and deviance. And that is the nature of the beast of any society. Is there a necessity for police? Yes. But is there a necessity for other social services? Absolutely. And quite honestly, what the role of the police is uh, has greatly expanded over time. I'm all for narrowing it. My fellow officers are all for narrowing it. Please understand, people suffering with mental health and addictions, those are not criminal issues. But sadly, as a society, we've made choices in the past come 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock at night. Everything shuts down. And when you pick up that phone and you're looking for assistance and help, there's very few people picking up. We always will, and we will always come, but are we the best to do it? No. But if there's no one else, that's kind of where we're stuck. You've talked about one year gold building trust with the community, and you've used the word police legitimacy in the community. What do you mean by that? So there's actually a great deal of research on police legitimacy, um, and there are a number of authors and academics that speak about the concept of police legitimacy. That involves uh, a number of things. Uh, Besides, uh, when we talk about police legitimacy, you look at the effectiveness of a police service. Is it, how well does it look at uh, distributive and procedural justice? Beyond that, is it accomplishing what it's meant to do? So police legitimacy is about uh, the police organization being a part of a society, doing its role in a capacity and in a manner that is reflective of uh, the people they serve. And I mean that, I put the emphasis on the word serve because it is a service. And so um, within that 
concept of police legitimacy. One of those aspects is um, procedural justice. And that is all about uh, when you're interacting with a member of the community that you serve, you're treating that individual with uh, dignity and respect because they're people. We're all people. And the reality behind that is that regardless of the the context or the instance, um, that individual is still afforded the fact that they're, uh, they're, they're a person and that needs to be respected. Now, please understand, there are challenging circumstances. And by and large, our women and men every day go out and they do practice procedural justice. But to put a focus on it and to highlight it is, is uh, one of the things I want to um, – is one of my goals while I'm the chief of police. You have said too that, um, I mean, obviously any timing a police officer is challenging, more so now with the issues of George Floyd, there's cameras on you folks 24 hours a day. Um, you, you might get the first 30 seconds or the last, you don't get the whole picture in, in many cases when you look at YouTube, but you've been quoted as saying we've been our own worst enemies too. What did you mean by that? I think when we, we look back at the historic way policing has moved, uh, and to where we're going, I think there, there are two different stories to be told there. Uh, I think uh, there was a time where we believed, you know, we just did our job, stick to the facts, uh, share as little information as possible, because that's not our place to do. We are simply there to exist as an organization, serve, and, and um, what came out, came out, but we, we had no input or interaction with that. As we move forward, we have body-worn cameras, but cameras are everywhere. Um, and it's not about changing a narrative or speaking to the narrative, but certainly being far more transparent and open. Because if you want the trust of a community, it, it is about sharing what you know uh, as much as possible, respecting freedom of information yeah. and people's rights. Uh, but having said that, that historic refusal to share, I think we're moving towards it, it is a requirement that we need to start doing that far more uh, to inform our public. Because at the end of the day, we serve them. So if we're questioning why they look at us in a particular way, are, are we responsible for that? Because we didn't share before. So if we share a broader picture more than the first 30 seconds or the last 30 seconds, maybe maybe that paints a, what occurred in a different light and so they can better understand us. Because we are simply a reflection of them. You've talked a lot too. We have uh, before about education. You know, is it? You know, I, oh, I know the criminal code. I know well from what I've read that you you want your officers. And I, if I'm tired of, out of speaking out of turn, tell me that you want to educate themselves too about the community beyond just the criminal code and and learn about this community and grow with it. So the law is the basic requirement. We look at policing and we want to be viewed as a profession. Uh, you expect a, and I'm not suggesting we're doctors, but you look at a doctor, they need to know the medicine, but you want to know the best doctors. Those are the ones who understand their patients, not the conditions per se, but their patients, um, what, what makes them tick to better understand them, to be in touch with that. As police officers, we're in the community. The idea behind education is to better understand uh, our community and who they are. So if you want to deliver a service, it's not about one service fits all. It's, equality is a nice concept and it's wonderful in theory. If you really want to be a, a legitimate police service, you really have to start exploring the concept of equity. And that's meeting people where they're at. I, I, and I, I'll just take you, take you back to mental health and uh, addiction issues. Um, historically criminal. You want to understand a, a, a community. We have those challenges in Barrie. Uh, understand they're not. Look at it through a different lens. Those individuals do not want to be suffering a mental health 
uh, issue uh, in crisis. The individuals who suffer addiction, no one wants to be addicted to a substance. Understand that from a different lens and that suddenly it becomes a, a health lens uh, and, and it's that the whole concept of a criminality behind it changes drastically. And I think that's incredibly important. So it, it is about um, learning to understand who we are policing better. And by policing, I don't mean applying it on, but with. And um, first met you at the um, Anti-Racism Task Force, mm-hmm. the unveiling. Um, there's so many broad issues, but I, I, if you're able to give me maybe one or two where, where you want to take this organization and, uh, and have the community travel with you on that journey. Well, I think you've just said it. Uh, because as a police service, um, we, we do want to take that journey with us, with our community. And the reality is, I think... Uh, we speak of uh, collective e- efficacy, and, and I'm a big fan of that. And we speak, I, and I like to talk a, about the social contract. We don't really talk about that anymore. Uh, and the reality is, what responsibility do we have to each other um, in a society? And it, as minor as you know, you cut off someone. Oh well, whatever. But it's think. Would you like someone to do that to you? Or you know, what's maybe they were in a hurry and they had to go somewhere. It's just about looking at things a little differently. I would love to see. And I, I shouldn't say it's not there. Our community is so supportive of the Barry Police Service, and we are thankful for that. But if I step back, we have to recognize that our community is changing, and it is important to reflect all of our community. Um, and, and part of that is not everyone loves the Barry Police. I, I don't need to be loved by everyone, nor do our members. But we certainly want to have our community understand why we do what we do. If you understand the why, um, it's far it's far easier to understand our activities. And we're not out there to be everyone's friend, obviously, when we're in some challenging circumstances. But we have a role to do to play in a, in a society. I'm far happier when we're out there to remind you of uh, of our responsibilities to each other than ask our members to. You know, it's not about catching you doing the wrong thing; it's about reminding you to do the right thing. Very good. And chief, one final thing I'll leave you with, and. Um more, more lighthearted because uh, I don't know if it'll give you the shakes or not, but I'm going to say the name of a community, Horn Pain. <laughs> your your career and OPP. That's where it, I know that's where it started. And uh, you said it was a bit of a, a a bit of an eye opener. And God love the North for sure. But just tell us briefly about how you ended up there. So this is a lesson to all the people out there. When you're um, the importance of education and map reading. When I finished school, my undergrad, I. I I'd always wanted to be a police officer, and so I applied to a number of police uh, services. One of them was the Ontario Provincial Police. Um, I'd gone through the process. I was very thankful. Um, and, and when I received the phone call, they advised me it was one of my, they believed it was one of my top three picks. Um, and it was um, Horn Payne was the detachment, not knowing the, the Ontario Provincial Police has the different smaller communities. And so it was, I just figured it was somewhere that it, near where I wanted to be. Um, but when you look at a, map of Ontario. If you flip it over, is Northern Ontario. I went up there. It's a very, um, very different community in terms of size, population, context. And so I learned, uh, it was a learning experience for me, but I am very much a city, a city boy would be the description. Urban guy. I am very much so. Thank you, Chief. Thanks very much. Awesome. Thank you. Women's Hockey took center stage last Saturday at Sadlin Arena when the Dream Gap Tour came to town, featuring some of the top players in the game, an opportunity to showcase the women's game and hopefully garner more support for it. 
Something local realtor Shannon Murray has been very vocal about since getting involved as the lead sponsor of the Barry Junior Sharks hockey team, which she says is every bit as competitive as the Barry Colts are. She bristles at the inequities between women's and men's hockey and is leading the charge to change things. When when they were going down the laundry list of what you know uh, the counterpart males were getting compared to what the girls are getting to the woman, I, I just like, well, what the heck is it for them to strive for? Why, why are they doing it? Just for recreation? No. These girls want to have professional hockey. They want to have careers. They want to be more than just trainers and coaches. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But they want more. What's the equivalent to the NHL? What is it for them? My God, they grind just as hard, if not harder. They have to do harder because they have to prove themselves. Well, and you look at the support now and the popularity uh, from fans, yes. the popularity of, of the sport when, when the Canadian women are playing in the World Championship, everybody's watching on TV. It's as big as, as watching the men play, but the financial support is still not there. The encouragement is still not there, and that's where you come in. That's right. That's right, because, you know, the, the costs are offset by the parents in terms of, you know, everything from their their locker room, their uniforms, the practices. I mean, my goodness, they just got a bus you know, after after all these years, uh, you know, sponsorships, they're, they're trying to recreate what's already been done again for the male counterparts in terms of sponsorship to help offset costs. You know, I'm, I'm not in a position to point fingers, but I know that this is coming from a city level or provincial level. Like there there are levels and it seems to be this this political restrictions for whatever reason that to me just I scratch my head and I I just don't understand it's it's just common sense okay here's what here's what the guys are getting and what they're asked for for the women is just equality and fairness and they're not getting that is part of the issue promoting this and and getting the word out and and not enough being done in that regard I can't say that. It's, I would, awareness. Yeah. Okay. Probably awareness. But again, it just doesn't, it it doesn't compute to me. Like I'm constantly scratching my head. I don't understand because we, we talk about it. We share about it. Clearly the parents, the girls, they're in hockey. Uh, Oh, here's a great example. I was talking to one of the parents the other day and, you know, again, the marketing of, of the guy counterparts and they made it a cold stay at the school. And she said, well, why don't, why don't they do the same thing for the sharks? And I said, that's a really great idea. And another parent was telling me how their child, you know, had to miss school because they were, uh, they had a competition for hockey and they were getting resistance from the teacher. Meanwhile, it was, you know, and, and we're talking like grade 12 or whatever, right? So they're senior level and they were getting, oh, you know, you shouldn't be missing. And well, can I get, you know, the schoolwork or whatever? Meanwhile, if it was a cold hockey player, they're, oh yeah, no problem. Well, you're invested in this. The the players are invested in this. The parents are invested in this. The league is invested in this. How do we get others invested in it? Oh, we got it. We have to change policies. 
we really have to start putting pressure on that, whether it's, you know, to the city, whether it's to the associations that are part of it. And, you know, does does that mean we need some some change up in and new people in there? Do we need some of the the women who have played the younger generation who have played hockey to get in there and start getting voted in as board of directors? I want the best for these girls as they get as they get their commitments, you know, as they go on to university and college. And like, what does that look like for them? They're committing so much. Where is it that they can go? That's what we need to do. We need to open up, take away any restrictions, just open everything up throughout Canada, U.S., uh, Europe, you know, everything, and just give them those opportunities. They just want to play. Much to be done to level the ice surface. We'll be talking more about it in the weeks to come. Our thanks to Shannon Murray for sharing her thoughts and her enthusiasm with us. What Barry's talking about is a weekly podcast featuring the best Barry has to offer and more. We've covered a lot of ground since we began last summer, learned about electric cars, the good and the bad, got advice on how to keep our homes toasty this winter despite the rising cost of natural gas, and spoke with actor Jenna Shaw about filming a movie in an actual haunted house. You can get caught up and make it easy to keep up in the future by subscribing to What Barry's Talking About through any podcast distributor. Still to come on what Barry's talking about, our weekly recap of the week the Barry Colts have had, and the Barry Library prepares to mark Freedom to Read Week. Now this. It's cool to care. Calling all curlers. Gilda's Club Simcoe Muskoka wants to show you how much curling rocks. The Red Door Curling Bond Spiel, presented by Painted Door Realty, will be held at the Barry Curling Club Saturday, February 25th. Whether you're a beginner or expert curler, everyone is welcome. Enjoy a fun-filled day, including two 8N games, morning coffee, lunch, and prizes, with all proceeds staying local and supporting anyone impacted by cancer in our community. Hurry hard and help demonstrate that community is stronger than cancer. For more information, go to gildasclubsimcomuskoka.org. Cool to Care is brought to you by the Peggy Hill Team. Keeping it real all the way to sold. Reach out now at peggyhill.com. It's Cool to Care with 107.5 Cool FM. This is what Barry's talking about from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely. Next week is Freedom to Read Week, encouraging Canadians to think about and reaffirm their commitment to intellectual freedom in the face of bans and, in some cases, the burning of some classic pieces of literature. The Barry Public Library takes the freedom to read very seriously as Barry 360's Ian McLennan hears from the library's manager of collections, Vivian Kiling. What sort of events will be taking place at the Barry Public Library? We can key in on a few. So more so for the library, because again, it's such a big thing. We do highlight this event every year. Mm-hmm. Um, this year it is, as you said, February 19th to 25th, 2023. And we are going to be having uh, just our regular st- uh, special story time that happens. It is online. So for those who are interested in making it, you don't have to go at the exact same time that it says. Uh, if you're interested, you head over to the library website, go to programs and events. And it is our story time special. And it is the reading of And Tango Makes Three, which is a picture book that has been challenged many, many places about two male penguins who adopt a an egg that hatches. And it's actually based on the true events of uh, these two penguins from the New York, uh, what is it? It's actually, it's not fairy tale on, or made it's up, it's the real deal. No, it's real. 
So that is happening at the library. We do have a bunch of displays going on. I think the big thing that we're trying to encourage is for people to come take a look at the website to see all the different book lists, to understand what are some of the titles that have been challenged. And you'd be surprised. It's not just always controversial topics. There's one picture book that uh, it's a whole series called Good Dog Carl. It's about it's just purely illustrated. There's no words or there's very, very few words. And it's about a Rottweiler and their toddler, human toddler. And this book got challenged because people took offense or were concerned about the fact that a dog is minding a baby. So it's not just daunting, scary, high-profile topics. It's not just LGBTQ. It's not just political. It's not just religious. It's well, you've got human barometer rising on some of the recommends for both adult, children, yeah. and teen, yeah. family gathering. There's one book for children called uh, Pride. Yes. Um, so there's, there's a real mishmash. Is it okay not to like the topic, but let others read it and, you know, accept that book for what it is and, and the topic? Or Of course. I mean... Open for discussion. The whole purpose, again, of Freedom to Read Week is about inviting discourse, about having conversations, about giving people an opportunity to say, hey, this is something that I actually have a strong opinion about. Maybe I didn't even realize I had an opinion about it, but if someone is telling me I can't read a book, I kind of want to know why. What's, what is it about that book that you disagree with? What is it about but that some book? of those books might not have been on a library shelf maybe 15, 20 years ago. Oh, yes. And that's changed quite a bit. So the interesting thing with all of these challenges is we're seeing a recurrence. I know a lot of times it's happening more so in the States. Uh, so if you're looking south of the border, and we always are mindful of what's going on there. In because Florida, for example. In Florida, for example. That's a bit of a barometer for what might be coming our way. Um, and yes, things that we sort of thought were already accepted and or at least more accepted as the norm are being challenged once more and i think it's just really important to sort of be mindful of those things yes one of those titles was pride and it is just upsetting for some individual or a group of individuals because they feel it directly attacks their core values and that's okay and that's the whole point of the public library is that we have these books we have these materials on our shelves for them to be Items that maybe you don't agree with, and that is okay. You can leave it on the shelf. You can you, leave it on the shelf. You don't like need you to read it. Like you can change the channel. Change the channel. Don't read it if it really affects you that much. Or if you feel so strongly about it, read that book. Understand why you don't agree with it. And either you feel uh, vindicated in your beliefs after you've read it, or maybe your mind has changed. So Freedom to Read Week, a safe space for thought and learning. If the public wants more information about what's happening at the Barry Public Library, what's the uh, what's the address they can go to? They want to go to www.barrylibrary.ca. Uh, they want to hop over and search our website for Freedom to Read Week, um, or they can take a look at our program and events calendar. But we do really want people to take a look at those lists. Vivian Kyling of the Barry Public Library in conversation with our Ian McLennan. The Barry Colts went one and two last week, but that doesn't mean all was lost. Colts broadcaster Gene Pereira telling Barry 360's Will Conkin there were some positive takeaways. Well, I think that, you know, they, obviously they, 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 they stuck in these games. They're right in these games down to the end. It started with that 6-4 win, obviously. At home against Mississauga, Evan Hurling uh, got the game winner in his 200th uh, career junior hockey game. So... The week started off pretty well, and then, of course, Saturday night they played host of the Kitchener Rangers, who had just fired uh, former assistant, uh, very coach Chris Dennis, who was named the head coach before the year. 
uh, he, Mike McKenzie stepped behind the bench and uh, he led uh, Kitchener to a 4-3 overtime win in Barry. But the positive there was in the third period, twice Barry battled back uh, from one goal deficits to kind of force overtime and uh, you know managed to get a point out of there. But obviously some disappointment that they didn't get the win. And then, of course, that big Sunday game in North Bay, uh, a 4-2 uh, battalion win there. The Colts now trail North Bay by eight points uh, atop the Central Division standing. So obviously a big head-to-head match, but again, another game where Barry was right in it. North Bay scores the winner in the third, and uh, you know just a bit of a tough stretch. Obviously the Colts really been busy here uh, um, with the schedule, and North Bay was kind of resting at home, so not, uh, an advantage for the battalion there, but the Colts were right in it until the end. From those losses, are you seeing any glaring holes they need to address? I, I think, you know, obviously when you toy, I mean, you know, a lot of talk about Barry's ability to battle back in hockey games. They've been falling behind. Even in the North Bay game, they got down 2 nothing uh, right off the hop, and then they came back and tied it uh, at the end of the first period. But, again, any time you kind of put yourself in a hole, uh, it's going to catch up to you eventually. So it's something that maybe that... Uh, Again, that consistency throughout the game, uh, just small little miscues that they're uh, they're making, especially against good teams like Kitchener and North Bay, that are going to take advantage of them. And uh, I, you know, I, I, again, it's a it's a work in progress. Uh, you know, with the hockey team, they're playing well, uh, but again, these small miscues. Uh, you know, especially against good teams, they're going to make you pay. Coming up on Saturday, they play the battalion again, this time at Sadlin. Do you think uh, head coach Marty Williamson will make any major adjustments? Yeah, I think, you know, obviously, uh, I think the focus is, you know, when I talk to Marty, um, you know, the game-by-game game approach, and, uh, you know, obviously the one Saturday ahead is a big one with North Bay, and really, uh, you know, if they have any 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 chance to kind of, uh, tracking North Bay down to the standings. You need to win those head-to-head games. That's the last meeting between the two Central Division teams uh, this season. Um, you know, I, I think the idea here is that, uh, uh, you know, they're going to get them on a home ice, and they'll have an ability with that last uh, that last change to kind of match the lines a little bit better where, where North Bay had that advantage on Sunday. Do you think um, with the matchup with North Bay, do you think Williamson maybe doesn't want to show all his cards in the regular season just in case if there is a playoff matchup? Do you think that uh, has any merit? Yeah, I think, you know, those games, these two teams play enough times during the year that they're quite familiar with one another, uh, you know, being in the same division and uh, uh, so on. I, I think both teams more focuses just on their individual games and talking to Marty Williamson, you know, he said, look, he goes, you can always look to what, see what another team is doing, but you have to be concerned and, and, and focus on what you're doing every each and every game. And and uh, I think for Barry, that's kind of the focus now. Um, they got a busy stretch coming up here, seven games and 12 nights, which is just, you know, crazy in terms of, uh, you know, and they're going to need a full roster, a full lineup to kind of get through those times. Uh, through these uh, busy schedule, and then again March, 11 games in 23 days in March. So a busy stretch drive here for for Barry, and I think most importantly, uh, what they want to do is hit uh, have the, hit the playoffs playing their best hockey. Well, we appreciate the insight, Gene. Thanks, uh, thanks again, and another week in the books. Thanks, Will. Colts broadcaster Gene Pereira joins what Barry's talking about every week to discuss the highs and lows of the past few games of the Barry Colts. 
And that's our program for this week. Thanks to Ian and Will for their input and to Matt Ladder for his technical expertise and to you for listening. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to What Barry's Talking About, rate it, review it. You can also keep up with What Barry's Talking About on Facebook and Twitter at Barry360 and on our website, Barry360.com. I'm Dan Blakely. Hope you'll join us again next week.